Welcome to the Politics of Everything. I'm Amber Danes, your host and podcast producer. This is a half hour of power, a podcast dropping every week where I unpack the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment, quality, and much, much more. Our guests are seasoned in the field or topic of their choice, even if you've not heard of them yet. This is a non-partisan show. So while I love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate of ideas, this is not a purely blue, white, green program. Please subscribe, tune in and enjoy the politics of everything. In a line that will definitely bookmark my middle age, American songwriter Billy Joel once belted out, it's always been a matter of trust. That is today's topic, though we won't be singing, and my guest is Sabon Scouten, CEO and founder of Marked Global, a purpose-driven brand and marketing collective based in Sydney, Australia. Sabon believes purposeful leaders create purposeful companies that are more likely to pursue the triple bottom line that is people, planet, profit, something she believes is critical to building trust and creating enduring brands, businesses and societies. Mart Global's unique approach has engaged clients across Australia, New Zealand, Switzerland and Canada with plans to expand through a global platform that connects leaders and companies on purpose. Before Sabon founded Marked Global in 2019, she spent many years in marketing, leadership and corporate roles for some of the world's largest multinational companies. She earmarks a career highlight as working for the CEO of Nestle Oceana to find growth opportunities for that business. Sabon has a very diverse background. She was actually born in a village in rural South Africa, educated in the UK, and now lives with her family in Australia. Her hero is Nelson Mandela, who grew up in a neighbouring village near her own. A number of books have been written on the importance of trust. My favourite so far was Sam Crosby's 2016 book, The Trust Deficit with the recently published Global and Local Edelman Trust Barometer highlighting that societal leaders across every institution are not trusted, Sabon has created a new trust question for business. She believes trust can be gained by leaders who pursue the triple bottom line powered by purpose. And I welcome Sabon to the show today. Hello. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Amber, for that great introduction. (laughs) Did you like my Billy Joel? I just threw that in. Oh, I love that. I love that. My goodness, you could even sing. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not do that. I'd love to just dig a little bit into your childhood. You did grow up overseas and and not in, in Australia where we are now. But do you remember your earliest career ambitions? And did you end up doing something similar or something better? And And what was that really like? Oh, Amber, something completely different. As you you said, I grew up in a rural village in in the Eastern Cape of South Africa. When I was eight, we actually moved to the UK and then I went to school in South London and then university in Sussex on the south coast of England. Uh, But growing up in a rural environment in apartheid South Africa was challenging, but I guess we were poor, but we had, you know, this amazing free roaming childhood that connected me basically to the land, the animals and the people. And I think when I came to live in the UK and even understood what careers were, I wanted to be a vet. And as a young girl, I remember I loved the animals on our farm and was really troubled when some of them became our dinner. (laughs) (laughs) That's very traumatising for anyone that's grown up in a rural environment, I think, especially if you name, apparently the trick is not to name the animals. That's what someone once told me. Yeah, exactly. But I started to name them. So this was the problem. But I just really felt connected to nature, my community. 
uh, and the environment. So I, I wanted to be a vet. I remember wanting to be a vet. And uh, so I'm, I'm obviously doing something very, very different today. I'm not sure if it's better, but hopefully it is still rewarding all the same. But then now I have a startup animal charity client. So, so it feels like it's connecting back to that thread in my life. Interesting. So you obviously went on to have a corporate career. We did touch that up on that in your introduction. What did your corporate career teach you about trust? Yeah, so post-university, I did go on to work for large multinational companies, as you said, in branding, marketing and corporate strategy. I think what I began to realise that is that whilst the ultimate aim of business was to earn profits, you know, that's what I was paid to do, how I got that result was always based on the principle of trust. And I realised that as I grew up in my leadership journey, being a trusted leader, brand or company, people tended to follow me. And then in the business context, you attracted new customers or more loyal customers. You had more engaged employees, which led to better workplace culture. You had suppliers and clients that were willing to go the extra mile for you. And I think all this worked together to improve revenues and profits. So I guess early on, I just began to realize that if I gained trust, the results would follow. That's interesting. And perhaps you were an early adopter because I I must admit in my corporate communications career, trust was something we talked about for our clients being important. But I don't know that it was something that we really hand on heart thought about day in and day out. But it does seem that trust does matter and it's essential for any thriving business and its workplace. So, you know, obviously people coming together in a workplace have to have trust to collaborate. Do you have an example of how it can go wrong or be turned around? Because it's one of those things in my mind that it can take years to get trust and seconds to break. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've hit the nail on the head there, and which, which is why it is so critical for leadership and business today, because people are feeling so uncertain. So they want to trust leaders to reassure them on, on obviously the issues that are concerning all of us nowadays. But A breakdown in trust, I mean, we even saw it recently in the US where poor and divisive leadership led to a breakdown in the administration changeover from Trump to Biden. Whoever thought that the most powerful nation in the world would see an example of something like that where there was such brokenness in trust and leadership? And I think even when you think about, you know, Australian context, like, for example, you know, the Rio Tinto mining case, where, you know, two historical caves were destroyed because obviously those leaders were chasing profits at the expense of other considerations. And whilst they might have been very competent in their roles, they, uh, they were not, they, they fell short on trust. And another example is even Australia Post with Christine Holgate. You know, the former CEO was forced to resign because she bought luxury watches for her executive team. Now, a few years ago, that might have been acceptable and even, you know, could have slipped under the radar. But nowadays, we expect a lot more from our leaders. And I think she was surprised at the uproar she received for the decision that she made. So I guess trust is so important. It's not, it's not just about leaders chasing profits. It's how they behave societally and address, obviously, the issues that are concerning for all of us. Has there been a time where you've seen that trust perhaps broken, even on a no-names basis, if they're clients that you've worked with, and then be turned around? I mean, that's the thing. Once it's lost, is it gone forever? Or how do you, how do you see that being be, able to be rebuilt by leaders and companies? Yeah, I think, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We're all capable of making mistakes. And I think 
where trust operates at a human-to-human connection. And so if relationships can be restored and, you know, credibility and authenticity can be built back, then trust can be regained. But it comes from a place of, as I said, that human-to-human connection, the authenticity and the credibility. And people can see when leaders or companies are not authentic. So it has to really start from that place. But, yeah, absolutely can be restored. But there's a framework that I think businesses and leaders need to operate in to be able to do that. And is that something that you've been privy to? Have you, have you seen that happen? Yeah, I've seen it in my own examples, in my own leadership journey where I've made mistakes. I mean, no one's perfect, right, Amber? <laughs> you know, so, so many different examples, even individually with people I've led. I've watched other leaders be very successful on trust and others break down in trust. It's just the natural dynamic way that we live and work. So, but I think if you have a vision and a goal for trust and even a framework, then it's, you're more uh, likely to, to succeed, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. We did touch on earlier in my introduction that the, the well-known global PR firm Edelman have had a two-decade-old trust global trust barometer, so that kind of measures where people are at with the world of trust. And obviously it shows a decline in trust across the board and the opportunity for societal leaders to really step up, obviously, and have a voice on what's keeping us all awake at night. I'm sure the coronavirus has had an impact on that as well. The Australian data was released recently and um, we do have a global audience with us today, but I I think most people will relate to the idea that Australia seems to have fared pretty well against other countries, probably because our handling of the pandemic, I mean, our death rates have been phenomenally low compared to places like the UK and the US. But the governments are generally not always trusted and we have a recent example in our own government at the moment with some issues around historical rape cases. So what's the major difference that you see between, say, how business leaders and political leaders achieve trust with their people? Because they're different cycles of of existence. You know, obviously politicians sometimes stay in the game a long time, but generally speaking, a prime minister, for example, could only serve a couple of terms. So you know, how is it different or is it not different at all? To be honest, because again, for me, trust operates at a human to human level. I don't think it should be different. You know, obviously a a political leader and a business leader will have different outcomes, but how they gain trust should be the same. So I really believe it comes from a place of authenticity and credibility, values-based leadership. And I think sometimes that's where leaders fail when it's not about them. It's not you know, they're not putting themselves on the line when it comes to their business or the issues that they're addressing. So I feel like, yeah, you know, political leaders, business leaders will have different outcomes, but ultimately trust is about building relationship, human to human connection based on values, authenticity and credibility. It is as simple as just doing what you say you're going to do, or do you think we can have a bit of leeway in what we expect of our leaders? I mean, an example might be someone who might be campaigning on a political trail and really wants to, for example, get a climate change policy through, but then kind of gets elected, realises they've got to actually align a party or a group of constituents, and perhaps they'll have to water down or compromise. I mean, is that something where people look at and say, well, you said you'd do this all guns blazing approach and we've had to have a watered down one. I mean, is compromise okay in that world of trust, do you think? Or do you think we need to, you know, keep pushing till we get perfection? I'm just sort of, I guess, working out where that balance is. Yeah, I mean, I don't believe in perfection. I just don't think it exists, particularly in the world we live in at the moment. But I think I do believe in progress. 
and I do believe in in communication. So even in a you know a relationship that you have someone with close, you know, close to you, things can change. But as long as you're honest and you keep communicating, you keep updating then that person feels, you know, they understand why you may not have achieved the thing that you wanted to achieve. But I think it's good to be ambitious, even in a trust space. We have to have ambitions for climate change, for job insecurity, for, you know, all the things that, you know, as you said, keep us up at night. We have to have a vision for those. And sometimes it's beyond what we can see and imagine today, but we have to strive for that and and work together to achieve those outcomes, but always be honest along the way in terms of we're not quite achieving there, you know, we've reached this obstacle, et cetera, et cetera. That builds trust, but it's not about perfection. It's, it's all about progress. And it does seem like transparency is quite important as well in that trust experience, that you need to let people know where you're at. Absolutely. I think transparency is key and people have access to information that they may not have had five or ten years ago. As I said, you know, with that case with Australia Post, maybe that would have been quiet 10 years ago. But today, everything that we're doing is visible and more transparent. So as leaders, we have to have communication frameworks with our audience to make sure that we're keeping people up to date and not creating these these silences that then allow all sorts of things to be assumed. We've touched on, I guess, the idea of you know big government and corporates and so forth with their trust because they're high profile and household names. I am curious to understand what your view is of small businesses and how they can become trustworthy and execute that trust to their customers in, in whatever format that might be. It might be you know delivering great quality products on time. It might be brand loyalty. It might be a whole bunch of other things. Obviously, those big corporates and governments have a lot of marketing budgets. They've got spin doctors. They've got media people what can small business do that really will help people get to know them trust them and stay with them for the long haul yeah absolutely and sometimes you think our oh, big business has the advantage because they do have the bigger budgets and the bigger sort of marketing expertise and, and corporate teams but actually the results show that it's actually the smaller businesses that are growing faster because they're much more connected to their customer base and able to build that trust. So the future, actually, the backbone even of our economy in Australia is smaller business, not the big business. So I guess, but for us, we actually, because I've worked in big business and I, I work very much now with small, medium-sized enterprises and even nonprofits, it really does come to what we're calling the four Ps of business. And it's relevant across the board because for us, trust is, is built on people. It's built on planet. Uh, we can't ignore the planet and what's going on around us and, and absolutely profit, especially when it comes to the business space, but powered by purpose because I think purpose gives everything relevance and gives even that, that organisation or that leader context. And so if, can, if leaders can communicate around such a framework and actually put measures in place, they're more likely to succeed. And the companies, to be honest, or businesses or even social enterprise companies that are winning are the ones that are able to connect those dots. And there's just a few examples that we might even know of in our world that are just doing really well because they are planet people and, and, and you know, profit and outcomes focused as well, but all powered by purpose. Absolutely. So big business and corporate failures like Enron, the collapse of Lehman Brothers during the GFC and the closure of long-term local businesses in Australia like Holden, which was for many years a household brand name, have eroded 
ordinary people's trust in those ideas that they might have held dear to, maybe in a nostalgic way, such as a job for life or a brand for life. How can we learn to trust businesses that seem to be stable from the outside, but then prove to be volatile due to maybe an inability to reinvent themselves? And I'm thinking of something one like Polaroid here, or be upfront with market brands about where they're at. Yeah, and I think, you know, all those examples, Amber, and I know, again, it might sound really simple, but I like to really simplify things in, in my in, in my business and in how I see things is that I just feel like all those businesses would have chased the bottom line alone and companies that seek the triple bottom line, like the planet, profit, people and purpose that we spoke about, those sorts of dimensions are actually more creative, they're more innovative and they have more stakeholders than just shareholders. And I think that's the difference for me with organisations that are going to be and businesses and brands that are going to be enduring. It's those ones that think about the broader stakeholders because the reality is that if you have that broader stakeholder audience beyond just shareholders, you will attract better customers. You know, people will be loyal to you. You will have more engaged staff and that does lead to bottom line results ultimately. Interesting. Getting a bit personal now, I imagine you've got some mentors in your life and we have touched on your respect for Nelson Mandela. Are there one or two in your life that you'd like to name and and tell us a little bit about and what have they taught you about success and life? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously Nelson Mandela is awesome for me because I think he was such a purposeful leader who had, um, and and his real purpose was around freedom and he not only freed obviously the people of colour of South Africa, but it was also white South Africans as well. He actually, and he found that, he found that revelation or just that insight in in the, in a 27 year, very small uh, prison. So it's amazing. And, and so he continues to inspire me today as a village boy that really did change the world. My mum is my other person of huge inspiration. She actually had her own walk to freedom as a woman of colour leaving South Africa at a very challenging time. So I think her leadership and what she's achieved around being a community leader has always inspired me. But the other one was obviously, as you touched on at the beginning, was a CEO of Nestle that I worked with and his name was Graham Campbell. He'll be very embarrassed (laughs) to hear his name if he does listen. Graham Campbell, if you're out there, we'll be tagging you on LinkedIn. (laughs) If he does listen to this podcast. But, yeah, he was an absolute visionary leader, very values-based. But he had, again, huge ambitions for the organisation. He And this was in a corporate strategy role I, I had where he actually got me to work on sort of transformational projects, sorry for the business, uh, and we ended up going to the Amazons and the Googles to really understand what best practice was globally, particularly around digital and technology because this is where, you know, the world was going. But he was someone that just, you know, plucked me out of the business, a woman of colour and and gave me this incredible opportunity, but also insight into, into leadership and what was really required of, of leaders of the future. So I got firsthand exposure to that and I guess coaching and, and he continued to mentor me beyond, because uh, he retired beyond um, in the role. So, and he's, he's, he's still around in my life today. So thank you for wonderful mentors in our life that help us. <laughs> Absolutely. And is there something lasting that he really taught you, if you sort of could think of him and and what would be instantly coming to mind as his lasting legacy in your life? Um, I think it's the role of leadership. You know, there's a quote that says, you know, a leader is the length and shadow of an organisation. 
And so whilst I'm absolutely a marketer and a commercial leader, I think this notion of leadership and trust, I really connected uh, that from seeing his style of leadership, certainly, because we are so influential as leaders, you know, whether you are leading a whole organization or even a small team or even as a mum in a family context, you are an absolute leader and you have a very, very long shadow. So I think it's valuing that and seeing the importance of your role and in, in influencing and impacting others. It's a, it's a great image, actually, that with that shadow. I really pictured that when you said that. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. And, and it doesn't, you don't have to be a, a leader of a 500 people organization to, to be a powerful and impactful leader. Absolutely. As we wrap up today, do you have one or two tips or a lasting tip for anyone trying to get ahead in the politics of trust? I think it's just to seek to win on people, planet, as well as profit. You know, within obviously your business and your sphere of influence, it can't be something fake and inauthentic. It has to be relevant with, you know, your audience, the market and the corporate citizenship that you have in your business and area of influence. And then put some measures around those dimensions and share your wins with others because it will inspire others to do the same. Great advice. We've been listening to the politics of everything. I will have some show notes available with Sabon Scouten's details on there. Until next time, keep well. Thanks so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, I thrive on your feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network through Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. I'm always on the hunt for new and diverse guests. So if you or someone you know has a fresh idea you're busting to get out there, please email me at amber at amberdanes.com and my crew will get back to you very soon.